The Green Bay Packers are picked to finish last in the NFC North, according to the latest betting futures. What? What? That doesn't make any sense. I explain why on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for the leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. I want to start today with something that does not make any sense to me. And it is related to a number of different storylines that are all converging. I, I looked up the FanDuel futures odds for the NFC North in 2023. And the Lions are the favorite. And I, I think the Lions should be the favorite right now at plus 130. The Vikings and the Bears, nearly identical, plus 310, plus 320, Vikings, Bears. At the bottom... Of the division, in terms of division odds, the longest odds, the Packers at plus 410. Pause the podcast, and if you are somewhere, you can bet this number. Go do it. Or don't pause the podcast, keep listening, and do it on your phone as you're listening. Because this is shenanigans. It is ridiculous. Let, let's just, like, for the Bears to have odds as close to the Vikings, I guess I can kind of understand that part because the Vikings are going to come way down to earth. We know that that was a fraudulent team last season. But the Bears, they signed two linebackers. Congratulations. And they did get DJ Moore in a trade. That's that's good. That's, that's much better than what they had before. But all of the main problems that this team had they still have. We still don't know what Justin Fields is. And, and to date, he has been a bad, I repeat, a bad passing quarterback. One of the most dynamic running quarterbacks we have ever seen. A An objectively, a quantitatively and qualitatively bad thrower of the football. Passer. Inefficient. Ineffective. Bad pocket awareness. Inaccurate. A turnover machine. It has not been good. So until that changes... I don't understand this at all. I'm going to get to the quarterback part of this a little bit more in a second. So I guess I kind of get them them being a little bit higher than they were last year. They're probably going to win more games than they did last year. There should be a better team. But when you are the literal worst team in football, as they were last year, you only have one place to go. You either are going to stay the same, probably not, probably going to go up, but not, not by that much. Now, the Packers part of this, I love some of the, the numbers and we've talked about some of the flaws that these have in terms of um, going year to year and, and some of the, the nuances of things like Pythagorean win expectation and estimated wins. So estimated wins is a football outsider metric. It says, okay, assuming you didn't just 
um, luck into this. So it's things like point differential, but also adding in, okay, were you really good in the red zone? And some of these small sample sizes that suggest you're not really as good as your record or even some of your overall productivity. So like the Packers last year, defensively were much better overall than they were play to play because they were so good in the red zone. Well, that's bound to regress. And so this would take into consideration something like that, okay? So at the NFC North standings based on estimated wins from last year, the Lions were at 9.7 estimated wins, the Packers at 7.9 estimated wins, the Vikings, get this, 6.3 estimated wins, a 13-win team, and the Bears, 4.9 estimated wins. So that is a, a pretty solid team, a middling team, a below average team and a bad team. That, I think, checks out. Now, NFC North, Pythagorean win expectation. This is using things like point differential, okay? The Lions, 9.1 Pythagorean wins, right on what they did. The Packers, 8.5 expected wins, Pythagorean wins, right on what they did. The Vikings, 8.4, way below what they did, and the Bears, five, a little bit above what they actually did. So by those metrics, the Packers were already the second best team in the NFC North, even though they finished in third place and DVOA agrees. So I am willing to concede the Lions are the best team in the division. I'm also here to make the argument that the Packers are the second best team because the Vikings were a flawed, fraudulent team last year. We know that it's been established. This is canon a flawed, fraudulent team. They've lost important players from that team. Now, whether those guys were great last year is kind of irrelevant. They're worse because they have not replaced those players. Guys like Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson. Like they, they need an all new secondary and you can go, okay, well, the secondary was bad last year. I agree, but they need new, they need new guys there. This team is going to look very different and that front office believes that they are not in a position to compete, which is why they are not acting like a team in a position to compete. Th this comes down to one thing, and that is Aaron Rodgers. If you think Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers last year, I can understand why you would say, okay, the Packers, they go from, you know, this, this team that is constantly in the mix, they lose Aaron Rodgers, and now they're going to be a five or a six win team, except, and this, for those of you who are Bears fans here to try and catch me with some receipts or some silliness, because Bears fans, they try some stuff like that. It's hilarious. I have been consistent on this. There is one thing Packer fans will tell you about me is I have been on the, no, Aaron Rodgers was actually a huge problem last year, especially relative to what he has been in years past to the Packers. So you know, if you listen to this show, or even if you don't, now you do, this is not cope. I have been on the actually Rodgers was not good. And in fact, for long stretches in last year was actively hurting the team by being out there. You do not need to be, you know, MVP Aaron Rodgers to win this division. You just don't. For the Packers to be as good as they were last year, let me just read you off some numbers here. Aaron Rodgers last year finished 16th in yards above replacement, adjusting for schedule. 
Finished 21st in value above replacement among quarterbacks, adjusting for schedule. 21st in EPA per play, 21st in success rate. Those are below average numbers for a quarterback who played below average football last year. And you can say, okay, well, what is Jordan Love going to be? I don't know. I don't know. But he just has to be better than the absolute worst guys in the league. Now, think about how many guys last year who were just flat out awful, like terrible. There's a decent number of them. And I went back and looked. So these are the quarterbacks, the, the regular, the guys who played regularly, who Aaron Rodgers was better than last year by EPA per play. Baker Mayfield, Davis Mills, Carson Wentz, the ghost of Matthew Stafford, the, the necrotic corpse of Matt Ryan, Mac Jones with Matt Patricia calling plays, what's left of Russell Wilson, I don't do my homework, Kyler Murray, the rookie, Kenny Pickett, and I can't throw for 200 yards, Justin Fields. That is the list of quarterbacks that Aaron Rodgers was more productive on a per-play basis than last season. That is a, a list of bad quarterbacks. So in order for the Packers not to just be as good as they were last year, now there, there can be some... Um, you know, degradation of quality in other areas. Certainly, we, we understand that. But for, let's just, the Packers um, defense, for example, comes back mostly intact. Adrian Amos is going to be the one big departure there. The offense, the, the offensive line comes back fully intact. The backfield comes back fully intact. We know about some of the issues at receiver. I think it's funny that, that Al Nazard being gone and Big Bob Tunyon being gone and Mercedes Lewis being gone after this was called the worst passing catch pass catching group in football. All of a sudden, we're acting like this was the 2001 Packers. Al Lazard was a really nice football player, a really good football player. No one liked Al Lazard more than I did. You can replace 80% of that production. Probably a lot. Like I keep seeing, oh, they lost 60, 70, 80% of their, their pass, whatever the number is pass catching from last year. I, I don't know the number because I don't frankly care about the number because I know how many of those targets and how many of those yards are just, well, someone had to get them. Someone had to get them. And a lot of the, all of big dog stuff is schemed up. He made that one great play against Miami. That's an awesome play. Love, we love big dog. This is a pro big dog podcast. 100%. By the way, we don't, we don't know he's gone yet. Um, Big Bob Tunyon signed for a pittance in Chicago. He was, I think, a net negative for the Packers last year. So just giving those snaps to like Josiah DeGuara and pick veteran replacement level player, you're not really losing anything. And again, Corey Davis is going to be in this trade. I keep telling you, Corey Davis is going to be in this trade. That you're, you can probably get more than 80% of what you got from Alan Lazard. It is almost a one for one in terms of quality of player replacement. And then it's sort of like, okay, then, then what is different? Well, the quarterback. The quarterback is what's different. And the quarterback doesn't have to be that great. If Jordan Love is just not Baker Mayfield, just not Davis Mills, just not Carson Wentz, then this team is talented enough to win eight, nine, 10 games 
And I just don't see a path to the Bears, for example, doing that. I don't see the Vikings as being better than they were last year when the underlying numbers say they were about an eight-win team. They performed in terms of wins way above what we would expect. And so if they were really an eight-win team and they got worse, and by the way, they've gotten worse, and there's there could be more um, you know, fall off in play from guys like Dalvin Cook, from guys like Harrison Smith, who are getting up there in age and mileage. There is easily a scenario where they fall back. And don't forget, the Lions were one and seven at one point last year. They ripped off a bunch of wins late in the year, and Jared Goff was playing out of his mind. Well, what happens if Jared Goff turns back into a pumpkin? There is a pretty straightforward path for the Packers to win this division. Again, I'm not picking it, they're not the favorite. But them being last, I think, relies on a narrative about Aaron Rodgers that is just not true based on what we saw on the field. All right, I want to talk about the draft coming up after this. But before we do, today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. All of my um, futures went absolutely up in smoke because this is one of the wildest tournaments I can remember I was looking at the final four. I showed it to my wife and she was like, what is that? And I was like, I know. So don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I know that you're probably leveraged out when it comes to the talk about the Jets and the Packers. And I get that. I don't want to bore you with some of that stuff. But I do think this is going to take a little while. And the reason is, if the Jets are going to be resolute in holding on to this year's first round pick, and the Packers are going to be resolute in saying, we want a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers or a first round pick in value, the pressure point then becomes the draft. Because what the Jets can say is, we can hold out through the draft, understanding this is gonna get done at some point, but it doesn't have to be today. That we can hold out if we're the Jets through the draft. And then you're only get if you don't want to, if you if you don't want, you know, whatever, we don't know what they're offering, a second, whatever. And then you have to take future picks or or nothing, they think. We'll see. So then the Packers have to decide what is more valuable to them. And I think that's a tricky question because I think you can make the case that a 2024 pick is actually more valuable to you if you're the Packers because whoever you take, even if it's 13 or 15 or 43 or 42 or both of those players, the odds of getting a good player most players are bad. Most rookies are bad, right? So they're probably not going to help Jordan Love that much in 2023. But then in 2024, you have a good idea at that point of what Jordan Love is. And if he's good, 
Now you have an extra first round pick to build long-term with him. And if he's not, you have an extra first round pick, if that's what the Jets are offering, a future first, to move up and get someone. Drake May, Caleb Williams, there's some really good quarterbacks in next year's draft. At least as we sit here right now, we think that that's going to be the case. If you're the Packers, maybe that makes more sense. And if you're the Jets, you can spin it by saying, look, we kept 13. We think the 2024 pick with Aaron Rodgers in the building will be much better than 13. That is a totally reasonable take to have. I think that is probably the right take. And so then you have to you have to add in this calculation. Okay, if you're the Packers, do you want those picks right now? Well, the other side of this is the Packers getting this deal done before the draft means eating 40 million in cap space this season. And I've seen both sides argued on this. Do you want to eat it now or do you want to spread it out? And that's an interesting question because if you end up spreading it out, so you do a trade post-June 1, remember you can't, it's not like a cut where you can designate a post-June 1 in order to do, to benefit from the post-June 1 savings, you actually have to consummate the trade post-June 1 or make it official post-June 1. You could theoretically have it all agreed to in principle, but it can't be done, done until post-June 1. To say, here's 15 million this year, 25 million next year, well, that provides what 15, 16 in cap savings over what Aaron Rodgers was making. And so that's enough to go get DeAndre Hopkins. That's enough to justify going and using a high draft pick on trying to trade for someone like a Jerry Judy, if you could. So maybe if you're the Packers, that's exactly what you want to do. Okay, we'll wait and we'll actually use future draft capital to try and consummate a trade or, or, current draft capital to try and make a trade. If you you could agree, if you're the Jets and the Packers, we're going to do this post June 1. Or if you don't have a deal by the time you get to draft night, you do what the Eagles did, for example, with A.J. Brown, and you do it on draft night, see if you can get some extra players, some extra picks. I don't know if a new Hopkins deal is going to happen. I would assume it gets done before the draft. So you can't wait until after the draft to do the trade. But if it looks like you're going to wait until after the draft, if the Jets are not going to come off their line and you just wait up right up until the moment that they pick. Once they pick at 13, now you're on the horn if you need to be to anybody and everybody. And if it looks like, you know, a couple days out, if you start to hear whisperings, okay, DeAndre Hopkins is this is going to be the price. Sounds like he's not even going to get a second or you're you're hearing, okay, um, Jerry Judy, this is the price. He's going to get us. He's going to be a second. Okay, it doesn't look like Rodgers is getting moved this year or until post-June 1. Because if you wait until after the draft, just wait. You just wait. Like after the draft is May, there's absolutely no reason for it to be done between May and June unless the Jets are really, really gung-ho about trying to get Rodgers in for OTAs, which LOL. But if that's the case, then you need to have some urgency to do this before the draft. If you want him at OTAs, if you want him at mandatory minicamp, then you have to make this deal before that. If this gets past the draft, then the Packers can say, well, we're going to wait until June and you miss out on having him at OTAs. You miss out on having him at mandatory minicamp. And while we know Jordan Love is working with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones, 
there is no indication that Aaron Rodgers has flown Garrett Wilson and Al Nazard and Elijah Moore out to Malibu to run some routes. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but it seems like the kind of thing you'd want to publicize. We're already, we're already getting this done. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, especially you want to publicize that because that gives the Jets a little bit of extra leverage to just be like, hey, look, we don't care. We don't care. We don't care. But the, the reality is they do care. We know they care. So that, that pivot point, that squeeze point, the choke point is the draft. Nothing has to get done between now and then. The Packers seem, you know, the reporting from Adam Schefter lately is that there's not been a lot of communication. I think that makes sense. Both teams trying to get their draft board set. And I think that can give you some clarity too. You go out, you're on the scouting trail. As we get, you know, maybe a week out from the draft. Now you have an idea. Okay, these are the guys that we think we can get. And we really like this group of guys here. And I can see the Packers, as we talked about last week, saying we actually think it makes more sense to grab a, a pair of seconds because of the way that this draft plays out. So, and, and the way that the shape of this draft is. So, just that's just something to keep in mind. I, I wouldn't take, you know, the, the fact that there's not been a lot of movement on this lately as either team has, you know, more leverage than the other or anything like that. I've tried to use that word as little as possible. Um, but it's just, it's, it's going to produce some movement in some direction the closer we get to the draft because the draft is really where some big decisions on both sides need to start being made. All right, we're going to finish up here. We're going to do a live mock draft or live-ish. You're not going to be able to do it with me, but I'll get to do it live. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Scouting with draft dudes from free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more. Join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday. Find them on Locked On NFL Scouting with the draft dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, I wanted to do this live and I, I, I had some good success with this last year. At least I liked the, the exercise because then you guys get to hear who is on the board. I think a mock draft when it's just the picks like the pro football focus simulator, which is the one I like to use. You just see the picks. If I if I write a mock draft, you'll see everything. But but this is just the pick. So for right now, I'm going to operate under the assumption that the Packers are just picking at their picks. So at 15, the options that I have, Kalaja Kansi from Pittsburgh. I don't think he's going to be a Packers type. Brian Branch from Alabama. I don't think he's going to be a Packers type. Now, Lucas Van Ness, very much the Packers type. And I have made the case, you want to you try and get um, a pass rusher? Cool, do it in the first round. And then you're going to have some opportunities to add later in the draft. Now, this is complicated though, because if you're not going to get that top flight receiver, Jackson Smith Jigba, in this case, very funny in this in this mock, he goes 13th. Who has the 13th pick? The Jets. So the next best pass catcher is Dalton Kincaid. Well, Dalton Kincaid has not worked out, does not work out. It doesn't seem like he's going to work out, but maybe he will have a private workout, much like Romeo Dobbs did. I think that's going to hurt him. So I think 15 is going to be tough. Now you could trade down, but there are some players here that I think are worth considering. Nolan Smith from Georgia, Miles Murphy from Clemson, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Because I think Van Ness can do a little bit of everything and because I think there's so much value at tight end and at receiver on day two, 
I'm going to take Van Ness here. Joey Porter Jr., I wish we had a better idea of what the plan was at safety. I wish we knew that they were going to sign someone like John Johnson. And you, Joey Porter Jr. could be one of those guys that you take. Brian Gutekinds was at the Penn State Pro Day. And you could move him to safety if you wanted to. But I'm going to take the, the guy that tested like a freak athlete at a premium position with the understanding that he can play a little five tech. He can play a little three tech. I think he showed some nice things as an interior pass rusher, can play on the edge. This is where you take a swing like that if it's me. Now, at 45, some of the players that are available, Tanner McKee from Stanford, ugh, tough one. Um, Anadike Uzoma, the edge from Kansas is here. Don't need that. We just, just grabbed an edge. Um, Steve Avila, the guard from TCU. I don't think it's out of the question they would do something like that here. Um, but I'm going to pick, there are some other options here. Antonio Johnson, the safety from Texas A&M, I think is an intriguing choice. Matthew Bergeron, the tackle from Syracuse, another intriguing choice here. I'm going to go with Sam Laporta. I think this is a great opportunity here. And I, I actually really like the value of receiver once you get into the 70s, guys like Rishi Rice, Cedric Tillman, I think that's where you can find the good value. So I'm going to take Laporta here. Two Iowa Hawkeyes did not even mean to do that. And then at 78, Garrett Williams, the corner from Syracuse, someone that would make some sense here. Michael Wilson, the receiver from Stanford. Jordan Battle, the safety. Sorry, Michael Wilson was a receiver, yeah, receiver from Stanford. Jordan Battle, the safety from um, Alabama is on the board here. Um, and so I think what I am going to do is I'm going to take I'm going to take Jordan Battle here. Um, he's a player that I like and I think fits with what the Packers want to do, uh, has experience in that match quarters kind of world. And so you come out of this without a receiver. Not not ideal. So the draft is Lucas Van Ness, Sam Laporta, Jordan Battle. It ends up being a pretty defensive heavy draft. That's just the way this one shook out. And so if you're the Packers, I think you can, this, this is a good value across the board here. But if you're the Packers, it's like, is this the draft that maximally improves your team? And I think that's that's where this becomes a question. So can you find more value on day two? Okay, does that make that day two pick a little bit more appealing? If they're offering 43 and stuff, um, is that more valuable to you than a first round pick? Now, generally, the, the common conventional NFL wisdom is a pick is worth um, around less in the future. So a 2024 first is worth a 2023 second. If what you're getting is a 2023 second and the option is 2024, okay, then... Then what you have to decide is the money part. Do you want to eat the 40 million now or do you, would you rather spread it across? And then what is that what is that value to you as a draft pick? These are difficult questions and the questions that the Packers are going to have to answer over the next few weeks. All right, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. We'll be back tomorrow. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like when a trade is actually consummated, also, we will be live after every night of the NFL draft so you can stay Locked on Packers.